Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, here coming off a of bye week. I feel relaxed. I feel rejuvenated. I'm ready to uh, start installing some game plans for uh, for Kansas this weekend. And I have with me, as always, uh, my co-host, Grant McGalliard. Grant, how are you this evening? You know, I, I had a I had a thing planned. I had some, some intros I was going to do. Parker, <laughs> TCU is a 25-point favorite against Kansas this weekend. I, before we talk about anything else, before we talk about the weekend in college football, before we talk about anything at all, a 25-point favorite against Kansas. Have, Your thoughts. Ha, have we reached a level in 2020 where I'm going to bet on Kansas? Is no, that, no, is that I, where no, we are? No, no, because I have, I have bet against Kansas every opportunity that I've had, and it's always worked. But they are they are 25 pretty, points you know, 25 feels like so much when's the last time I, i'm not looking this up we're just going off the top of my head when's the last time tcu's beaten somebody by 20 let alone 25 uh, last year against kansas oh so kansas oh kansas let's let's do that then a non-kansas team oh, tcu okay. hasn't beaten an fcs team that bad yeah um i'm not i'm sure there's a way we can look this up i'm trying to think non-Kansas team by more than 20 points. I'm going to look up the answer. You you give me your guesses. Okay. I'm trying to think back through the seasons. It it might be back in like 2016. Oh, I think we're both dumb. Oh, did it, it didn't happen this year. Didn't happen this year. 25 by tw- a non-Kansas team by 25 points. No, okay. I thought it was I thought it was Purdue last year. Purdue was 21. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Big 12 schools. TCU hasn't beaten a conference yeah. opponent by 25. Oh my gosh. Uh that's that's a non-Kansas conference opponent by 25. 2016. There's no that wasn't way. a good year. Oh, yeah, it was. It was Baylor in 2016. No, there's no way. It was Baylor in 2016. <laughs> The only well, time this turned into a fun exercise in the last four years, the T- yeah, we ended up in a good place. The TCU has beaten a non uh, a non Kansas Big Twelve team by at least twenty five. Is uh, is is Baylor uh, two thousand sixteen the hashtag CAB game where Baylor wore black and lost by forty points at home to TCU. Oh, frogs. Um, I didn't mean to make this a miserable stretch. I didn't try no, and induce this. That, I thought this was fun. That, and it that turned, turned out well. We that, ended that, well. It, it, turned, it turned out to be fun. Okay, Parker, I'm going to do a thought experiment real quick. You know, I love Thanksgiving football. One of my favorite things, uh, played a lot of games at uh, my grandma's house uh, in, in the side yard. Um, we had volleyball poles for, for out-of-bounds uh, markers. It was great. Can you imagine – and this was, again, we should give credit to our friend Jeff Mitchell of the podcast, whose tweet inspired this. Could you imagine Thanksgiving football at Sonny Cumbie's house and what that looks like? His, it, his, his nephew is just looking up at him. He's like, Uncle Sonny, do we have to run inside zone again? It's cold outside. <laughs> it is. It is. It's two hands hutch. And it's just inside zone the entire time. Like, and, you know, if you've ever played Thanksgiving football and, you you know, you've made yourself the all-time quarterback, whatever, it's just – it's goes constantly. At Sunday Cumbies, it is scr- – you're throwing a screen to your 55-year-old aunt and hoping that your 12-year-old little cousin can block for while Uncle Jimmy comes crashing down on the outside ready to two-hand touch. It, I mean, it, it's it, – I can't imagine it. it. It's There's no goes. There's no deep posts. 
It's look, hey, we're going to throw two short passes and hope to get 40 yards and four downs and two-hand touch. Look, man, speed and space, there's fewer players. You know, they're playing six-man, two-hand touch. You got more space for it, so. Speed and space is great when it's, you know, Marvin Mims or whoever. It's not great when it's, He threw a screen to three-on-two to pro Wells. What the hell? Oh, my gosh. When your little sister is is running a a drag route, and your and your cousin on the opposite team who played football like a six A school in Houston is crashing down, that's not the offense you want, man. Oh my gosh! To be fair, your little sister <laughs> has great grades. She's good at other things besides football. It's not a knock on her. She's got to be a teacher. It's great. I don't trust her to get ten yards on a drag. <laughs> I really don't. Okay, yeah, where do you want to go with this? Because we have a few games we want to talk about. Do you want to talk about – look, we'll talk about TCU-Kansas more on um, on Wednesday. We were going to kind of talk about Kansas-Texas, but that game got postponed. So now we're stuck looking at other games. I, I don't know who came up with this, and I, I wish I could credit them if I could. I know it's someone in the SB Nation Banner Society realm. There are two total outcomes in Bedlam. Anything can happen in Bedlam. Oklahoma wins by a lot or Oklahoma wins by little. That's it. So credit to Banner Society at large because I don't remember who came up with that, but it, it's every year, man. Yeah, it just and it just felt it just felt inevitable this year. O- Oklahoma State won in 2014 and they won in 2011. Other than that, OU has won every game since 2003 by uh, multiple scores, except for one, two, three, four. So th- five. There's- Only five times have they not won by multiple scores. So I agree that it felt inevitable this year, but, you know, Bedlam can be fun. It, 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 Oklahoma's going to win, but, you know, a lot of the times it's interesting and fun, and there are a lot of really cool things that happen. Oklahoma came out, and their first drive was so surgical that I was willing to give Oklahoma State the benefit of the doubt in this game until OU scored, I think, on seven plays on their first drive and did not look like they were breaking a sweat doing so. And then, Parker, I don't know if you feel this way or not, and it's completely dumb and, uh, uh, you know, not based in stats at all, but when the first kick return is just absolutely smothered by a big hit, that team's going to win the game. And yeah. Oklahoma scored, yeah. kicked off to Oklahoma State, and just beat the hell out of the return at the 20-yard line. I'm like, okay, this game's over. That and was, sure enough, it was over. I can't remember if that was TCU-Utah 2009 or 2010, but, like, one of the first kickoffs, Utah fumbled. TCU hit him, and the ball popped mm-hmm. out, and TCU got it. I think t- it was, like, TCU scored and then caused a fumble, and you were just like, yep, this is over. Utah is dead. Uh, and so I, I agree. I think that's probably indicative of who's the better team um, and who's hyped and, and ready to ready to play. Um, it was interesting because it was kind of a, a tale of three games, if you will. Uh, Oklahoma started out at a 21-0. Uh, three touchdowns on three drives, pretty impressive. Oklahoma State kind of tightened down, got a handle on it, and went on a 13-6 to run, as much as you can call that a run in football. And then Oklahoma um, and Oklahoma State kind of stalled in the third quarter, and Oklahoma went on a 14-0 to run. So it was kind of, the you know, th- uh, two games, if you will, even, where you could say Oklahoma 35 to nothing, and then Oklahoma State kind of held serve on a couple drives in the middle. But other than that, it was just, it was just rough, man. It just looked like an entirely different team. Here's my question: Did TCU play Oklahoma better than Oklahoma State did? I think so. And listen, I'll, I'll push back on that a little bit. I pulled up that tweet too 
just to kind of laugh at the whole like momentum, like, oh, game of runs. At no point did I think Oklahoma was going to lose that game. It was like, oh, Oklahoma State's making it interesting. No, 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 no. Law of averages says Oklahoma will have a couple bad drives. They just happen to coincide with Oklahoma State's good drives. It, it was a it was an absolute annihilation of Oklahoma State. Indeed, top to bottom. Indeed it was. Uh, and it was just, yeah, it was just, just merciless. Um, and, and, and can I say, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but can oh, I say man. something nice about Oklahoma real quick? Yeah. I mean, there's so Watch, many nice things I'm not say. doing this in a comparative lens. Right. <laughs> I'm not doing this in a comparative lens at all because this is a week of giving thanks and being positive, but watching Oklahoma play football is different than watching almost any other team play football the amount of space that they generate on their offensive like possessions is incredible. It's, it's players are running free and so many different locations on the field that Spencer Rattler is almost spoiled for choice. It, right. It's, it's unbelievable the ways they get their players open and make defenders have to cover ground in space to make tackles. And when you're doing that against a bunch of four and five star offensive players, you're not going to make the tackle. Right. There are plays where Spencer Rattler doesn't have to make a read. A guy is just going to be open. Right. That's, that's insane to me. That's just absolutely insane. Yeah. Oklahoma state did not do a good job of covering the flats at all. Um, which I'm sure means that TCU will just hammer the flats the entire game, but, uh, Oklahoma got every single thing they wanted on offense. It was not a close game. It was, Enough to make me turn to Michigan to Michigan Rutgers uh, in the second quarter, but we'll but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, what are your other thoughts on Bedlam? Yeah, well, I got sidetracked there because I was looking up the TCU to see what TCU's run during the Oklahoma game was. Oklahoma game was because it does feel like Oklahoma comes out hot, stalls for a little bit, and then closes well. Um, and yeah, so TCU Oklahoma Oklahoma went on a seventeen to zero run. TCU went on a seven to three run. And then Oklahoma went on a 16 to seven run. So that one's, that one's less exciting overall. <laughs> I, I'm biting my tongue, but yes, very, it's very much less exciting than uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you just can't like Oklahoma is obviously the only good team in the big 12 um, Spencer Rattler, 17 to 24, 12.5 yards per yards per attempt, uh, four touchdowns, 97.2 QBR. Uh, and he rushed for a touchdown and, that really wasn't more than just seeing a gap and looking cool, but I give quarterbacks credit for that. So um, yeah, I, I think that Oklahoma really struggled because they had the one, two punch of the off season that everyone had, but then also with the younger quarterback and having three of their best players suspended. And right now they are a flying death machine. Um, and I don't know what they would do against Alabama this year. I don't know what they would do against Clemson this year. Um well, if they played Clemson, they'd probably get sick given the way things are going. I might cut that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, leave it in. Leave it in. Leave it in. Dabo's. Dabo, what the hell, dude? Come on. Um, we, yeah. That that's just a matter of strategy. I'm not even. I, let's let's abstract from everything right. else. The words that are coming out of Dabo's mouth are stupid in a public relations sense. Just dumb. Um, yes, and as a PR professional, I can attest to that. But yeah, I mean, the, I, also Ramondre Stevenson, man, 141 yards, 5.4 oh. a carry, uh, just, just and, and some runs where you just you just assume someone would get tackled and he didn't. Uh, very very impressive there yeah. overall. Um, they're scary and uh, they they aren't going to go to the playoff, but they are going to beat the shit out of Texas A and M in the Cotton Bowl, so that's going to be fun. 
Yeah. So that's nice. And I will, okay, I will kind of push back a bit. Define good. Oklahoma is clearly the best team in the Big 12, right? And I think we can both agree on that. But as far as good, man, Iowa State beat the hell out of Kansas State. Iowa State might be like legitimately good. They're not great. They're not as good as Oklahoma, even though they won that game. But I do think Iowa State is good. What about Iowa State is good? Not Brock Purdy, as we said before the season. Right, or Brock, Purdy, the Brock season, Purdy touched the Space Jam, uh, Space Jam basketball uh, before the season. They, and lost they, powers. they execute. Matt Campbell is good about Iowa State. Matt Campbell's good. I think their defense is really, really good. Their their pass rush is pretty disruptive, and they have some really good uh, linebackers. Mike Rose has been ferocious. Um, honestly, I think this is the first game where. Kansas State just didn't get the breaks. Um, and some of that might be like fatigue uh, oh, over the course of the season. I'm, I'm going to, it was 45 to nothing, Parker. Right. No, no, I'm saying, I think every game that Kansas State has played this year should have been 45 to nothing were it not for some weirdness that Kansas State induced. Give, give credit to Chris Kleiman. But basically, it's like, hey, why uh, uh, Kansas State not moving the ball at all? only on big plays, entirely relying on big plays, special teams, and, and not turning the ball over. You're just like, that's not sustainable. I know that they're doing it well, but that's not sustainable. That's fair. And, and yeah, again, Oklahoma is clearly the best team in the Big 12. I, I just do think that Iowa State has the, I don't know what word it is, but the ability to, to win games. Whatever, you know, undefinable quality that is, Iowa State wins games. Well, so credit to I, them for that. I, but yes, Oklahoma State is the best team. here's where i I think though that like that's that's problematic iowa state lost to louisiana iowa state lost to oklahoma state um they beat oklahoma early on i mean if iowa state and oklahoma played again who are you picking oh oklahoma that's no no they're clearly the best team i'm just saying iowa state is good so i'll even i'll even like refine my argument to say who's good and say there's only one tier one team yeah i'm fine with that too but I think Iowa State is solidly within Tier 2. I, I I don't know if there are any other Tier 2 teams in the Big 12. It'll be interesting to see if – well, I, I don't know that there's any reason to separate Oklahoma State and Iowa State. I don't know if there's any reason to separate Texas out of that. I don't like it. No, Texas, just, Texas is not good. Texas is not good. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with They're that. They're not. I agree with that. I agree with you on the floor. I'm saying I think I – think, Iowa State and Oklahoma State are not different than Texas. I think they are all similar teams. I agree to disagree. And and, and please don't break out your numbers. Okay. I'm talking about my hands are off the keyboard. I have, I have not said, I have not gotten any numbers. Um, I, I, if I had to rank them, I'd go Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Texas. I think right now I would go Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Texas. Big jump, Kansas State. West Virginia? Oh, West Virginia is in that tier too. Sorry. Yes. West Virginia, uh, below Texas. And then big jump, Kansas State, TCU, Baylor, in whatever order you want. Another big jump, Texas Tech, TCU. Uh, Sorry, Texas Tech, Kansas. Honestly, I don't know. Put Baylor in that bottom one too. Put Baylor, Texas Tech, and Kansas down there. Baylor's in that bottom tier. Yeah. Um, just, it just gets messy. Uh, there, there's just not a lot of quality in the big 12 right now. There's a lot of transitional teams. Um, we're seeing some depth issues. We're seeing some, uh, roster cycle issues, I think. So just Mm -hmm. overall, um, they're going to miss the playoff this year. That's, that's inevitable. 
Uh, and but we are probably going to have Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. Probably. Hey, uh, while we're talking about bad teams, can I talk about Michigan Rutgers for a minute? Please do. Please talk about Michigan okay, Rutgers. Okay, this I I have never rooted for Rutgers in my entire life. Um, but I stayed up until 11 o'clock last night to watch Michigan Rutgers go to triple overtime. And I keep almost saying Michigan State Rutgers because my brain will not allow me to say Michigan Rutgers went to triple overtime, but it sure did. Right. There were points in that game, Parker, where Rutgers looked like they were bringing like the thunder to Michigan. Like they looked like the better team at large points of that game. And you want to talk about games or runs, Michigan opened the second half on a pretty good run and made Rutgers fight back and tie the game at the end because Michigan has a bunch of really talented players on the roster. and That's how they operate. But for the first half and for certain segments of the second half, Rutgers look like the better team. And I am not lying or trying to make, you know, trying to hyperbolize the situation. They did. And Michigan wound up winning because Rutgers missed a field goal in the first overtime that would have won the game. But Oh, man, a lot. That was a ton of fun to watch. And it, it was almost like watching an optical illusion. You couldn't believe what you were seeing, but Rutgers was good. If, and if not good, then functional. And that's more than we can say about Rutgers for the previous decade. Yeah. Well, and what's crazy is I think that Rutgers, I think that Michigan, I've got to look deeper into this. This is just looking at my simple box score here. But I mean, Michigan, 38% success rate rushing but only a zero, a negative 0.195 EPA per rush. So I, I, you wonder if Harbaugh didn't go in and say, Hey, we're going to do what we do. Well, we're going to rush. We're going to take care of these nerds. And then, uh, and they just couldn't do it. And it took them a long time to kind of abandon it because I mean, Michigan 43% success rate gained 50% of area or available yards converted 50% of third downs average field position was 36. They had every advantage in this game. They were extending drives. They just, couldn't do anything with Rutgers. They couldn't do anything. And Rutgers is making moves. I'm telling you. I mean, their quarterback, whose name I will have in two seconds, uh, Noah Vedral, Vedral, sorry for mispronouncing that, was like finding receivers in space. At one point, he threw a pass, and I put my hands up in the touchdown signal, like Lane Kiffin on the sidelines while the ball was in midair, and it wound up being a touchdown. And, you know, of course, Michigan would find outlets and kind of use their talent to to beat Rutgers and, you know, on offense, but good Lord, man. I mean, this was embarrassing to watch um, because Rutgers was carving up Michigan's defense and the defense is supposedly the better part of Michigan's scheme. And yet yeah. it was not against Rutgers. And it just seems like Michigan has a real big talent mismatch between what they want to do and what they are able to do, which is ironic because their quarterback is good. He is multidimensional. Uh, Joe Melton, I believe is his name. Uh, well, multi Joe Milton did not play most of that game. Oh, I'm totally back on that. Okay. I think my box score might be wrong. Oh, I got to look at that. J J Joe Milton got knocked out in the first half or maybe switched out. I'm, I'm not sure. I think I turned over after he left. And Cade McNamara, um, who I don't know much about, um, uh, threw, was really good. He, he was 27 to 36 for 260 yards, four touchdowns, and no picks, and also had a rushing touchdown. Interesting. Matt and Mara looked great, um, but Milton did not. Milton, before he left, was 5 of 12 uh, for 89 yards, uh, no touchdowns, no picks, um, and, and then and Matt and Mara took over. Interesting. 
I got really excited because I wondered if Cade McNamara's dad was Jerry McNamara, but it's a different family. Oh, that's disappointing. It is. Yeah, it, uh, it was It was just, it, it was wild to watch. And it, it was an absolute, to borrow a phrase, like uh, it, it was the sickos game of the week. It was like nobody watching this really cares if, you know, is pulling for Rutgers, like generally, but they want to see Michigan lose because it will be funny. And that's how I approached the game. And it was beautiful, Parker, until it wasn't at the very end. But, yeah, man, just crazy. I love uh, the other football. one, speaking of games that weren't beautiful, uh, Northwestern <laughs> is winning without offense. And it's not like, oh, they're just bad at offense. It's like offense doesn't exist. Grant, I have them at a 5% rushing success rate on, on Saturday. Five? Five. In a game they won? 25% success rate overall. Two turnovers to Wisconsin's five. Only 2.8 points per scoring opportunity. 13% third down conversion, negative 0.835 EPA rushing, negative 0.249 EPA passing. And, you you know, when your opponent turns the ball over five times, you can do whatever the hell you want. Northwestern is going to be in the Big Ten championship game. Oh, and they're going to get murdered. It's not going to be close. Should we talk about Iowa State-Indiana for a minute? finish Northwestern Wisconsin because no, that's, stats that's all I have to say I about that about. uh I didn't watch any of Ohio State Indiana none so if you have anything on that I'm here for it I I didn't watch it I, I was playing golf um and also I went to Hobby Lobby to pick up Christmas ornaments because I'm a real adult and I'm mm-hmm. doing uh, adult things now but I was following it closely and you know good for Indiana they didn't win that game but I'm very, very impressed with Tom Allen. I'm impressed with Michael Penix Jr. Um, I am very, very happy that a chaos team took Ohio State to the brink. And good for Indiana. I mean, I mean, those are my thoughts. I, I, I think that's probably going to be Ohio State's toughest test of the year. It will be very funny if Michigan's beat Ohio State this year, uh, but that's not going to happen. So um, Ohio State's going to make the playoff and they're going to be undefeated because they beat Indiana in their toughest test of the year. And that's a real sentence I just said. And they're going to get to avoid Wisconsin, which is going to be beneficial but as well. Is it though? Because Wisconsin, their ceiling's not that high. I would rather play Northwestern than Wisconsin with the championship on the line. Yeah, yeah. I think I would too. But I don't think avoiding Wisconsin is like avoiding a good team. Like, I, I, don't th- I don't think they're necessarily dodging a bullet. I think they're getting the easier of the two teams, but I don't think they would have had a problem with Wisconsin. No, no, no. Just relative relative ease. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the other game I watched this weekend that I really liked was Coastal Carolina and App State. There was a classic uh, at the end of that. Coastal was um, – they were down, I believe, 21 to 23 with about four minutes left, and they were driving – and they got a pretty timely first and goal and app state let them score, which I always think is really mm-hmm. fun strategy. You remember like Penn state, Indiana, if Penn state had just scored yep. or it hadn't scored, they would have won. Um, and so it was one of those situations app state let him score. And you thought, Oh man, are we going to see this again? I, there was another game where it happened. I'm trying to remember where it was, but um, app state went and threw a pick six on like the very next drive. And so yeah. uh, coastal Carolina in, in their 
uh, second biggest remaining test has all but clinched the Sun Belt victory. They have a, uh, a matchup with Liberty at the end of the season that'll kind of uh, punctuate their uh, their season before they go to the Sun Belt Championship. But a fun a fun story all the same. Um, what else, anything else that you watched? Want to talk about Mike Collins was balling out. Uh, 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 he was Friday. good for him. Yeah, uh, I will say uh, App State. Uh, my dad's alma mater for one semester before he dropped out and joined the Navy. Uh, big Mountaineers fan. I th- still think they're a good team, but yeah, I- I'm I'm a big fan of Coastal Carolina and and, and what they've done there. Um, trying to think nationally, Oregon UCLA was interesting. Um, I, I Oregon's not going to make the playoffs. Uh, I think they're going to suffer like a bad loss, and they're probably not going to play enough games to get you know merit anyway to, to join the playoff. But um, no, kind of a low key weekend for college football, honestly. Yeah, Alabama and, and, beat the hell out of Kentucky. Yeah, at least just, your stat. It didn't feel like it. Like it felt like Kentucky was good, but um. Uh, yeah, I just they're not uh, Alabama. They're they are not. Uh, they are not at all. Um, well, speaking of uh, speaking of bad Don't football, should we talk about TZU a little bit? <laughs> I you know what? Okay, I'm going to give away the gimmick we're going to do on Wednesday right now. Wednesday is going to be the day of giving thanks. Okay, where we're going to be thankful for players and all that on TCU. You know, we're, we're to be giving thanks. That's not the case today. We're still going to be honest, but if you want pure unbridled optimism, wait until Wednesday. Yeah, yes, Wednesday, Wednesday's episode is is already titled "Say Nice Things About TCU" because it's Kansas yes. Week, and if we can't say nice things about TCU during Kansas Week, what are we doing here? Right, right. So, yes, what do you want to talk about TCU? Well, let's just let's just check in. Let's just see where we are a little formally. Uh, Grant, I've been playing around with the Pro Football Focus grades, and and I think it's interesting to check in. And so, I'm going to tell you. Uh, an, uh, a facet of TCU's game, uh, offense, defense, special teams, whatever, and their rating and their ranking. So they're, they're grade out of a hundred and their national rank. And I want you to tell me if that's higher or lower than you thought it was and why. Okay. A reminder to the audience, Grant and I prepare for this podcast 0%. This is entirely off the cuff. I'm putting Grant on the spot. This is going to be excellent content. That's how talented we both are. Uh, so so hold on i want to show off how talented i am can can you give me a category and i'll try to guess oh that's even better okay so i'll say give me do you want to guess do you want to guess the grade or the national rank ranking ranking okay uh so let's start with we'll start on we'll start on defense and then we'll move over to offense so defense overall uh nationally i'm going to say 45th Okay, can I call? I should qualify one more thing just to just to be fair here. Uh, this is not like a measure of efficiency. This is a measure of we've watched the film and we're grading everything you do. Okay, okay I'm going to just slightly you. higher there and say 40. You're saying 40 on defense. Yes. TCU's defense currently rated 67 out of 173rd overall. Uh, teams in front of TCU, according to Pro Football Focus, Louisiana Tech, UTEP, Air Force, East Carolina. And so that is way lower than I think uh, they have any business being. Grant, why, why do you think that's lower than kind of perception? Well, I'd say that, I mean, first and foremost, look at the pass rush, right? I mean, that's, it's almost non-existent. So uh, 
I, I think they probably get low marks there. I, I think 62.6 pass rush grade, 108 yeah. in the nation. Yeah. I think that probably drags, drags it down a lot. Uh, I'm not going to say Merrick and Washington have been bad, but I do think they've had some lapses um, and, and that kind of ties into it. And then injuries are corner. Um, you know, if, if CJ Caesar, again, no offense to him, is playing the majority of snaps for the last couple of games at, at one corner, that's going to drag down your ranking because TCU has not been healthy at the position. Yes, and, and I feel very confident in this and, and how well Trevious Hodges Tomlinson has been doing to say this overall. TCU's coverage grade is 82.1. They're 23rd. It should be higher. Yes, uh, I agree. I agree. So TCU coverage this year, Noah Daniels, 83, THT, 74, Nook Bradford, 73, uh, LVZ at 71. Merrick is only at 70, which is pretty cool for him. Uh, and then again, I hate to do this. Uh, I'm sorry, dude, you got put in a bad position. CJ Caesar is 58.2. Keon Stewart, 52.6. The one that really sticks out to me, Grant, are Darius Washington, 49.7. Not having the yeah. year he had last year. Some of that is He's not kind had of a good year. general equilibrium effects. Some of that is uh, it's way harder to play safety if you don't have a pass rush. And so I think they're suffering from kind of both of that. It is, and I will say that while pass rush, or excuse me, while pass coverage grades and other grades are independent of each other, Washington has also had some lapses coming up to defend the run. For sure, um, on as the we rush. Talked about Iowa State was yeah, Iowa State was notable there where they sealed them off and all that. So yeah, and and TCU is uh, 113th overall in rush defense, and they've been gashed. Uh, L, uh, yes. Letty Brown just terrible. Um, yeah, so, so I think that there's there's ways to talk about this. Grant, if I could be a little nerdy for a second, I'm also just thinking if, if you're a safety and I'm grading you and I'm grading you on every action uh, and pass rush increases the number of actions you have, necessarily every, like on a certain play, the eighth, ninth, 10 action of coverage on a play is going to be harder than the first, second, third. Yep. It's if you've had yep. pass rush, you're going to get more of those eighth, eighth, ninth, and tenth uh, movements. And I do not believe these grades are accounting for that. So definitely some general equilibrium there on, on Wash. He's also kind of struggled in the rush. Um, so kind of hard um, overall. I will say tackling TCU is uh, 96th. Uh, but you again, look at some of the guys that have been really, really good at it. Like Noah Daniels, 85 tackling grade. Um uh, Terrell Cooper is at 70, Nook Bradford, 68, Trevon Merrick, 68. Um, the one I want to point out, because we're not being super positive on this or overtly unnecessarily positive, Garrett Wallow, 55.5 tackling grade. Ardarius Washington, 55.3 tackling grade. Those two dudes are up the middle and kind of making stops for TCU. And when they've, they've missed or been edged, uh, that's, that's been real rough for TCU. It's been tough. And I, I don't want to bury Wallow because he's a – I really like Garrett Wallow as a human being. And I think the work that he's put in over the last two or three years for TCU has been immense. He's been the cornerstone of that defense for a few years. Uh, his senior season has not been what, uh, what, what we expected. I, I almost hope he comes back for another year just to kind of, you know, take the COVID exemption, come back and say, Hey, all right, I'm going to end on a better note, but I also yeah. want him to get that paper if he can get drafted. So, Dude, you know, I, again, I am a hundred percent a Garrett Wallow fan. Um, love the guy. will support him whenever he does. Um, he just hasn't been as good as he was the last couple of seasons. 
No, and he'll he'll test well. And I think that, yeah, it is disappointing just because we did kind of think he was like the Ty Summers kind of dude of like, yeah. hey, you're starting a little before you needed to and you're scrappy and then you've grown into a real player. And it's a weird year. You can't, you can't, you can't fault no, him for that. For sure. So uh, he'll, he'll test well, I think, overall. Um, anyone else on the defense you want to point out? Uh, Kari Coleman, what's his, what's his rating? It's disappointing. It's, it's lower than you think. Yeah. Um, Kari Coleman, 60.6 pass rush, 62.3, or sorry, 62.3 pass rush, 42.4 tackling, uh, 70.9 run defense. So that's second behind Noah Daniels. His overall grade is 67.3. He's had some flashes of potential and it's easy to extrapolate those forward. These grades are doing their best to not extrapolate or project those at all. Right. And so, uh, yeah, TC's pass rush is not very good, even though there are, there are ways that you could see Mathis and Coleman being the defensive ends of the future. Well, that's, that's kind of what I was going to say is that, you know, Coleman's a freshman. I, I mean, if, if he's the weak link of your defense, that's great because he's good, I think, as a freshman, or at least serviceable as a freshman. He's only going to grow. The problem is that he's the, almost the focal point at this point uh, of the pass rush on the defense, which is not good. Um, yeah. But I, I, I support Kari Coleman. I'm, I'm looking forward to what he, what he does over the next four years. Very much enjoyed him. Uh, I think he's been a big boost to, to TCU. Sonny Misi has been pretty good as well, um, relatively, you know, just in some backup reps. And so there, there are some guys that you could think, hey, they're going to grow into defensive linemen. And so that's, that's pretty good. Um, all right. So before we go to the offense, just quickly, uh, special teams. Where does TCU's special teams rank in the – in the nation boy with Jordy Sandy uh, you have to think probably top 10 no I'm gonna say uh see we've had a punt return touchdown at least a couple good returns give me a give me 45th (laughs) I think the lesson we're learning is I have no idea how these grades are made up Uh, 59.6 112th in the nation uh, <laughs> well, well, all right. I think it's all returns. I think it's a hundred percent return grades. I don't know. Maybe they're grading like the gunners. Maybe I, it's like Carter Ware blocked a punt. Where the hell is that showing up? In yeah, a what the hell? Six grade. West Virginia told me that the special teams were the focal point of the of the team. TCU is punting is their I, best. Okay, well, all right. So let's do let's do this individually. Uh, Griffin, I, I want I want a grade for Griffin Kell's kickoffs and for Jordy Sandy's punts. And you get a okay, range. Kel- give me a give me a five point range that both of their grades sit out in. of a hundred. Okay, Kel's between fifty seven and sixty two. Okay, give me Sandy. Sandy's between sixty eight and seventy three. Okay, you got Sandy right. You're right in the middle. You your your distribution was perfectly centered. Okay. Sandy is seventy one point two punt grade. That's very good. I'm happy with that. I'm pleased okay. with that. Kel is 79 on kickoffs. Really? But here's what I don't understand. 41.7% of his are returned. Huh. Okay. That to me, if I was grading kickers, I would give you so much for not allowing returns at all. I wonder if hang time is involved in that. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. You kick it a little short, but you you give him hang time to get the, the, um, like the the coverage team down yeah. the field. Well, the thing about it too, that I think they're misleading here because they have return percentage, total returns. So he's had 15 returns for 30, 
344 yards, but they're saying he's averaging 22.9 yards per return against him, but he's kicked it off 36 times. And so reality, like (laughs) 9.5 yards per kick, right? I mean, that's pretty good. Can I say something real quick? Yeah. The fact that he's only kicked off, what, 36 times is depressing. Okay, because that's like, that oh my is gosh. dark. Well, because think about that. <laughs> that is that's, dark. That's once to start a half for set. So yeah. he's kicked off 29 times. How many of those have been touchdowns? Guess. 18? It can't be that many. 18 know, is so but... many touchdowns. Uh, TCU has 12 rushing touchdowns on the year. Uh, tell me about that. Max Duggan passing touchdowns. Can you give me passing touchdowns? It's going to make me sad. Okay, I'll keep six. TCU has six overall. Matt Downing had a beautiful, uh, well, the ball so was good. Quentin Johnson was good. 18, I was right. 18 overall. Touchdowns. 18 touchdowns. Incredible. On the dot. Incredible. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, so, that's so 18 touchdowns bad. and what, like 10 field goals? Then? Oh, my God. Not great. Okay. It's okay. Not great. Okay. I don't know what rabbit hole we're down. All right. Let's do, let's do the offense and let's get out of here. I'm going to do offense passing and pass blocking. Those are the three categories. Okay. Okay. Offense passing and pass blocking. Okay. Offense overall. Okay. I'm not doing great. I'm doing a ranking. I'm going to say 88. They're exactly 88. I have to believe you looked this. No up. way. Very impressive. Exactly. I, did not. I, I promise I didn't. 68.7 uh overall grade on only offense point, only point three away from the magic number that's that's impressive very close can uh, i tell you some some teams that are around them just to uh contextualize that and make that a little bit more, more fun so 60 sure. tc was 68.7 penn state 68.5 texas tech 68.4 texas state Jake Spavadol, shout out, 69.4. Eastern Michigan, 69.7. Tulane, 70. New Mexico, right. 70.2. Hey, Tulane's good. New Mexico's the depressing part. Two, I'm South fine Carolina, 70.2. Run the damn ball, Bobo. Mike Bobo has a better offense than TCU in 2020. Everyone drink. Oh, gosh. All right. Passing offense, give me the grade or the rank. Sorry. Uh, passing offense rank 97. Uh, 87. 62.2 okay. grade. We're tied with Wyoming, okay. just behind the illustrious Eastern Carolina uh, Pirates. But I will have you know, in front of New Mexico in passing, better than New Mexico in passing. <laughs> that's, that's encouraging. Um, where's okay. Well, I know you want to do pass blocking. Where's the rushing rank? The pat. Well, okay. I was kind of burying that one because that one was good. And we were going to maybe talk about it on Wednesday, but I'm happy to talk about it multiple times. Rushing 94.0 16th in the nation at rushing. What the hell? So rushing is not, uh, it's, 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 it's not accounting for the block. Like it's accounting for the blocking. It's saying, given the blocking, how are you doing? Uh, and so here's TCU's run sense. grades. Max Duggan, 79.4. Kendra Miller, 78.3. Darius Davis is only rushed like four times. I'm skipping that one. Darwin Barlow, 75.3. So that's your three leading rushers, all with grades of better than 75. That's that's very impressive. It makes more sense when you say it doesn't account for, for blocking. Yeah. Uh, so run the ball, that's what you're saying. 
TCU's averaging 5.9 yards per attempt. Max Duggan, 5.8 yards per attempt uh, overall, including scrambles, which is a little wonky. Max Duggan has accounted for 26 first downs with his legs. Uh, Darwin Barlow has accounted for 14 with his legs, 5.6 yards per attempt. Kendra Miller, 5.9 yards per attempt. So I'm saying uh, if TCU wanted to run the ball and they just did it in a way that made sense, I'm fine with that, man. Just uh, yards sense. after contact yeah. per attempt. Darwin Barlow, does Doug, 4. Does Doug in lead? one three. Zach Evans, 4.12. Kendra Miller, 2.85. Max Duggan's only at 2.32. Okay. Mikhail Barkley is weirdly, this has to be a stat error. He's negative one yards after contact per carry. No, I believe it. I believe it. That's <laughs> a screen that went awry. I, I think I can okay. see that well, all right. Um, I just saw the time too. We're going so long. All right. The other thing I said was pass block. This is the last part of negativity. We're going to do this. We're going to get off the podcast. And then Wednesday is going to be a fount of joy about TCU football. Grant, where does TCU's pass block rank? Hold on. Before you answer, this is funny. It's not, it's not, it's not the number funny, but it's just, it's funny. 103rd. 55th. In front what? of Coastal Carolina, <laughs> in front of SMU. Okay, they're not watching the same tape we are. I think I think like somebody in the pro football, maybe maybe our friend, uh, maybe our friend Anthony oh, Trish, Seth is. or Seth is just like sneaking 2014. Like Joey Hunt's cut, get on the phones. He's like, hey, <laughs> hey, we can't tolerate that. Somebody get the get the good film in there. Austin, no Austin, way. Austin Schlotman probably works for Pro Football Focus, is what I'm saying. I, okay, so I, I promise I didn't look it up because I nailed the offense, but I, I'm looking at grades uh, for offensive summary. Again, with the caveat that, hey, everyone that plays college football is a much better athlete than me and can beat me up. Um, TCU's third highest rated player on offense is Esteban Avila. Steve. Steve. Excuse me, Steve, Steve Avila. Avila. Steve. 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 Um, That's a Remington like Award a watch list. One. I know. <laughs> award watch list. Hey, had he played? So a, had he started a game at center before he was on this watch list? <laughs> Maybe that's not, more about the watch list and less about less about Steve. More about the watch yeah, list. He's taken. He's taken the fourth most snaps on offense. Um, three hundred ninety-seven. He's rated a seventy-one point one pass blocking. That's great. Do you know who's last? Uh, as far as offensive grades go, total. Coker. Coker Austin Myers. Oh my! Yeah. Okay. Austin yeah. Myers. Just bad. Forty-one point five percent pass grade. Um. So, sure, man. Fifty-fifth, whatever. Yeah. I, well, I don't, the, the I don't thing I think about this is going to be really obscure, and then we can get off this podcast. Uh, you know the song "Photograph" by Nickelback. Oh, I was going to say Def Leppard, but yes, I know the song. Okay. Yeah. Look at this photograph. Every time I do it, it makes me laugh. Whatever. Uh, have you ever seen the YouTube parody of this? I'm going to put this in the show notes. <laughs> There's a, uh, I, you, you, you get mad at me for making fun of the music you listen to on Spotify and then just brought up Nickelback. No, there's an amazing YouTube parody of this where these dudes just kind of do this whole thing about photograph and really make fun of it. And, uh, and they, they have this line in there where they say, I lettered in three sports, but I went to the poor school. So it was easier to letter and stuff there. And that's a little bit how I feel about pass blocking the interior line. Like that's not a hundred percent true, but it's like, Hey, you're really good pass blocker. But you play center, so hmm. I I know. But when you have a bad center, it's really obvious. Um, it's true. That's okay, true. you're I, just like you only have to ca- you only have to ca- account for like this very narrow margin, and most of the really fast good guys are coming outside of that margin on the field. So, all right. Well, you know what? We've 
we've been through a bunch of depressing stuff enough. It's time to get out of here. Um, it is Thanksgiving week. We will be back on Wednesday to record another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast, where we will give a a, um, a oh shit, I forgot the word. Sorry, I'm gonna restart this. Um, what's Parker? What's the word? It's like cornucopia. Uh, no, well, that is a good word. Okay, I got it. I got it. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Well, you know what? We've talked about enough depressing stuff. Uh, it's time to get out of here. It's Sunday. We got better things to do. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. It's Thanksgiving week. Uh, on Wednesday, we'll give a sort of a lip service preview of the Kansas Jayhawks because, to be honest with you, there's not much to talk about. And then we're going to go and see what we're thankful for for TCU football. It's going to be a fount of positivity, a cornucopia of positivity, if you will. And, uh, and we'll hope you join us. If you don't listen on Thursday, that's great. Listen back Friday if you're driving back from your safe and small family gathering, social distance, all that. Uh, my name is Grant McGalliard. You can find me on Twitter at Grant McGalliard. It's spelled exactly the way it sounds. He's Parker Fleming. He's at Stats War. And we will see you all on uh, Wednesday night slash Thanksgiving morning. Uh, go Frogs. Go Frogs. Happy Thanksgiving.